0: What's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the normal guy lazy eye podcast presented by house enterprise as always i'm your host jared magazine just your neighborly normal guy here with a lazy eye connecting with incredible people who have unbelievable stories to tell happy 2022 guys it is a new year it is a new year for the podcast and i have some i have some new goals for the show i have some um dream guests that i have set out maybe i'll release those and who knows maybe those people will see it and come on the show that would be great Um, but we're gonna see some new changes here for the show coming pretty soon we do have some interviews from back in 2021 that i did want to release coming off of the holiday break but i hope you guys all had an incredible time this holiday season i know it was a challenging one for a lot of families with the COVID outbreaks and everything so I hope everyone had a happy, healthy, and safe holiday season. Today's episode, we're bringing some comedy back to the scene here. We have Winston Hodges joining the show. He is a comedian from Virginia, and I want to say this is probably one of my favorite interviews with a comedian. I got the chance to meet Winston uh, through Liza Banks Campania, who was recently on the show, and... It was, it was kind of one of those interviews where you just bounced right off of each other. Um, and I think it was it was just as crystal clear and just as like genuine as an interview as you can get. And I think I now have a new friend in Winston Hodges. A very eye-opening interview. We do talk about some things uh, relating to his father's passing and how he was able to put together a comedy special centered around that. Uh, we talk about hard work and how it doesn't beat uh, you know, it's there's really a hard substitute for hard work. So a really fun interview, an incredible guest. So please, without further ado, enjoy the one and only Winston Hodges. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye opening experience. Well, everyone, on this week's episode, we have the very funny, very talented Winston Hodges joining the show today. Winston is a stand-up comedian from Sorta Farmville, Virginia, bringing his southern charm to the podcast today. Winston, thank you so much for coming on, man. How are oh, you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I so, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I say Sorta Farmville because you, you're you not really from there. You're from an even smaller town in Virginia, correct? Yeah, I'm from uh, Cartersville, Virginia cartersville i don't
1: know i'm it's cartersville i guess huh. i don't say it like i'm from carters uh Car- i'm from cartersville virginia which is like 50 <laughs> minutes outside of farmville which is where i went to high school and stuff and then um i uh i i worked and started doing stand-up in uh, in richmond virginia so, okay like, yeah okay
0: 50 minutes for high school that's ridiculous oh yeah dude it was uh it was elementary middle and high school it was a 50 minute commute yeah oh my gosh your parents must have been so happy when you got your driver's license oh like- dude they were like <laughs>
1: but my mom still would like want to like my mom was so involved in school that she would just like still go and it would just be like I was like I was like well the option is I can still maybe ride in with you sometimes and not have to spend gas money so of course
0: she had to get to her PTA coffee meeting yeah she did yeah was very involved (laughs) (laughs) i love that do you think the the people of farmville were upset that they're more famously known as a facebook game than an actual town in the state of virginia it was
1: weird because it was (laughs) like i remember uh so like i was in college um like right when that was huge like like, yeah like my senior year my junior and senior high school and then freshman year of college it was like massive and like i remember being in like a introduction to acting class (laughs) and this uh girl like had on a shirt Like there's a print shop in Farmville called Parrots, which is like their popular shirt is they have somebody in Farmville, Virginia loves me, which I have one of those. And the other one was where in the hell is Farmville, Virginia? That's like what the shirt is. People think it's a funny shirt. And a girl had this on and I was like, oh, my God, you're from Farmville. And she goes, no, I just found this shirt. Can you believe this is an actual place? Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, it's (laughs) It's we're all in. yeah that's where it's you know that's what i call home so really, oh, it hurts my feelings <laughs>
0: God, that's hilarious uh, that's awesome no i my mother was absolutely obsessed with that game when it first really came it's a out. mom game it's, it's a real some, mom it is game, it is and that's not to discount farmville the game yeah. or the town but yeah. for some reason they just loved it they like no, dude, i mean I it's Sunday Night like, Football in Farmville for my mom yeah dude my friend uh his
1: mom and, like, he, you know, she, like, lived outside of Farmville, but he went to school with me. Like, she, um, I remember going to his house and, like, she's just chain smoking while playing. And it's just, like, <laughs> cigarette after cigarette while she's just, like, and she also, like, owned her own farm. Like, she was, like, a, like she had real farm stuff to do. And then right. when she was done actually farming, she would come inside and chain smoke in front of a desktop that, like, had almost no internet and just uh, <laughs> ran her Farmville farm
0: nothing like bringing your work life into your facebook
1: life. yeah it's insane it is a it's a legitimate crazy thing dude I, I can't uh i cannot imagine if my form of entertainment that i sought out was like the thing that i did all like i don't even like watching stand-up that much I, was gonna,
0: <laughs> I was gonna say like do you think they'll ever make like a
1: a facebook game for stand-up comedians yeah, there's like um uh, not facebook but there is like this uh there was this vr stand-up game that was like uh which is it's a horrendous idea you just put yeah. your VR headset on you go and you do jokes and like you're doing these jokes and then the audience is just other vr people that are just like we're gonna say whatever during your set and i'm like this oh is my horrible. god this does not seem productive
0: that doesn't that, i mean for those that play video games it's like putting the like xbox live chat into an yeah. actual just in real life people say yep. whatever they say whatever they, they want, want and it's like, <laughs> you know. so i never did that i was like i'm good
1: yeah, I mean, you already had
0: to deal with the Zoom shows, let alone a VR show. Yeah, I
1: did oh, so goodness. many Zoom shows that I'm like so glad I don't have to to do those anymore. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about that in just a second. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about growing up in the Hodges household? You know, I know every story has a beginning, so I'd like to start with your beginning. But what was life like in the Hodges household?
1: Oh man, I wish I had a more interesting story, but I'm, <laughs> uh, but it's literally like I uh, my parents were together 38 years until. Uh, my dad passed away, and like I was raised uh, in a Southern Baptist uh, house. Mm-hmm. My, I have one older brother. Like all my aunts and uncles, like the farthest one that lived away lived in Farmville, which was forty something minutes from the house, and the rest right. were like down the street. So, right. family was huge for me. Uh, growing up in a really insulated conservative area, so like grew up really conservative, and then like political stuff has changed. Just obviously as you get older and stuff, and stuff changes, but religious house a fun house i, I mean like i that had like two of the uh, best parents of all time so like all my all my shortcomings are blamed purely on things other than them other things that have uh, happened in my life outside of outside of their uh, their guidance
0: i love that and where does comedy fit into that type of a household i mean you know sometimes religious households are hilarious and sometimes they're definitely not right so i like, guess like where does comedy fit into all that
1: yeah i mean my parents were both pretty funny uh, <laughs> i mean like they're just funny people and just silly and goofy and like uh when i was a uh, like i think my parents always like stand up but they preferred obviously clean stand up so like the first comics i really listened to were like some clean ones and some christian comedians and then as i get older my parents were just get more and more lax they like they were pretty good about like they they let me watch things at like a reasonable age like i didn't like i mean they like i wouldn't couldn't really watch the simpsons until i was like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. and then i was like 15 or 16 uh when i could finally watch south park yeah. Like without sneaking it and stuff like that and just like they did a good job of being like hey you're not m- emotionally mature enough for these things but you know they 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 but they never really stifled my ability to like consume media and stuff like that because they, they were pretty good about being like, hey, we raised him to be a good kid. We don't think these things are going to make him bad. They would just be like, hey,
0: when we're in the room, we don't really want to watch it. And I'm like, all right, that's a hey, that's, that's fair. fair. I, I was going to say, I don't think my parents still want to watch some of the shows that I do. Oh, so. yeah. My mom, yeah.
1: When I go home to visit my mom for holidays
0: and stuff, uh, she's just like, can you please just watch anything else other than this? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. But no, I mean, you bring up such an interesting point. Like, I didn't even really grow up in a religious household, just one that like my parents didn't like the shows like Family Guy or yeah. whatever. Like my mom
1: hates family guy
0: yeah my my parents wouldn't even like we weren't even allowed to turn it on the tv usually like when i was i was probably even too young to be watching it because it would come onto the cartoon network which would have turned into adult swim at like 8 p.m so it would come on at like 8 30 so i was probably like 10 or 11 when i started watching it because that's when they would send me to bed i'm 24 i just turned 24 so like
1: i was um i have distinct memories of like I like I watched Adult Swim the first night it was Adult Swim. Like it was just yeah. it was like September 2001 or no, mm-hmm. August 2001 like right before 9/11. Um mm-hmm. and it was like so I'm like I just stayed up late watching Cartoon Network and then it just the first night it just magically turned into this weird surreal thing and as an 11-year-old I was like this is a this is the best thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. And it's like I guess this is what it cuz cuz uh I'm sure when you were watching adults and the, uh, this makes me feel so old when when adult because <laughs> when adult swim first started it was only yeah. on one night a week it was only on sunday nights and it, oh. and it started it was sunday nights and it started at like 11 p.m like that oh, okay. is when adult swim started yeah and then yeah and it would just be like so you would wait all week to mm. sneak down at 11 and watch adult swim from 11 to maybe two a.m. and then they would yeah. just cycle the same shows they had just showed because they didn't have a ton of original programming at the time. So I, right? So. Yeah, I get
0: that, dude. My no, mom
1: hated it... Family Guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it, it. it was it was Family Guy at eight eight and eight thirty. They had two yeah. half hour Family Guy episodes. My brother and I would sneak up to watch the first one. Yeah, up to my brother had one of those like really like ten inch box yeah. TVs in his room, and I got the computer. Like that was the yeah. fair trade. I got yeah, the box. Mm, I eh, think that's pretty good. I, I had Minesweeper, and he had Adult Swim
1: any day of the week that he would Did you not have internet? No, we did. <laughs> like because I'm just <laughs> like did. he has the internet. He gets he, he you get to pick the things that you're but the, looking but, at.
0: Right, right. But the internet wasn't like. I mean, I was 11, so I wasn't like you know. I was a dumb and you know, like person. Newgrounds. What were you going on? Oh, addicted it? games. Oh yeah, addicted, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Newgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Newgrounds
1: just New... had them. I, I, I remember that. There's some truly horrendous things on that site that
0: are just like, I can't imagine. It is completely flipped. Yeah, I can't (laughs) believe
1: that. I thought I was like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> but it, I, I'll never forget. Like we would watch the eight o'clock one, then our parents would say it's time for bed. In between the commercial break of the eight to eight thirty and the eight thirty to nine, yeah. that's what we would. That's when we would say, "Okay, good night, gotta go back." Yeah, and and then our favorite TV show when we were ten and eleven was Robot Chicken, which yeah, was Robot like Chicken was great. That's where they just went off the rails with with Adult Swim. Yeah, it's
1: insane. Yeah, dude, it's, <laughs> it, they're just like taking toys and pop culture and like I don't know. I mean, I uh, I I legitimately love Adult Swim, and I think it is like like um it it is one of uh cuz cause cuz I cuz cause I, cause I don't know like one of my like least favorite questions people ask are like oh who are your stand up influences cuz it's just like <laughs> I don't I I I've, I've watched so much stand up right and I've always loved stand up so much there is so many people who I think have influenced me that I doesn't feel fair but I like thinking like hey what are the comedic things that influenced you that aren't stand up so it's like mm-hmm weird owls dope adult yeah. swim was like huge to me the 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 simpsons it's like those things are the three big ones that are just like man it's un unbeatable like some of the funny like the, i'll I'll never ever ever i think enjoy <laughs> anything the way that i enjoyed either sneaking downstairs or putting a vhs tape in to record adult swim and watching it uh the next day and seeing like aquatine hunger force that aquatine hunger force changed my life i was like <laughs> best thing i've ever seen
0: in my life i love that well so we'll skip the uh, influencing comedians question no, i'm just kidding no, i
1: don't want to answer it but it's just like no it's just no, like no. it's such question. a valid
0: point it's such a valid point because it's like there's so many comedians now yeah but i like your point of like there are also so many comedic things that we grew up that, that like yeah the kids these days like and i say like we i know we're a little bit different yeah. in age but even there are things that i grew up on that the comedians that are maybe up and coming in college today yeah. didn't right like we talked about new grounds and addicting games like
1: but that's what's so weird is like you see people on tiktok and they're like oh this is so weird and i'm just like i was like uh, uh, like okay aqua teen was on basic cable like, i'm watching yeah. like these things where it's just like it's I don't know, man. It's hard to think about just because uh, I think the Tic Tac people think a lot of uh, like the Gen Z thinks a lot of the millennials are kind of lame,
0: uh, and, which is fair. But, but it's so like- lineal, though, like like Gen Zers think millennials are lame. millennials thinks like baby boomers are lame. baby boomers are like everyone yeah. can F right off. You know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> You know, it is because it, it is just such a thing. And I'm just like,
0: man, I think Gen Z
1: is cool. It's fine. Their stuff's weird. But I'm just like. I don't know man, I don't think it's much weirder than a lot of uh it's like people are like oh listen this look at this really crazy meme and I'm just like yeah man I I used to watch a cartoon where people or they would stop motion <laughs> animate action figures murdering each other. So it's like I don't really or What was that? Or from?
0: or Celebrity Smackdown? Was yeah. that? Yeah, oh dude. My, like that show was
1: like the cream of the crop. Like with the claymation animation of the blood and everything. Of, oh, yeah, of <laughs> celebrities who were alive murdering each other like you could just turn on and this is the type of show where like if it was out now right they would absolutely do an episode where like they would make a reference to Alec Baldwin shooting someone like they didn't care right, they would just right. reference everything that the negative right. that had happened to this person's lives and they're ripping each
0: other's limbs off and I remember being like this is the cool this is awesome this is so I, cool <laughs> I, I'm finding myself more and more like re-watching those shows that we grew up on I mean like this would never air today yeah like I think it's the most different. famous one is like you know the Office which season one episode two Diversity Day. Like you oh, like, you sit there and you go never again will that ever air on
1: television. Well, I think it's because we're like kind of past the point of um, in in comedy I think we've kind of moved past the point of like where a lot of people are okay with uh, ironic racism, where
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: like it's the I, I don't think a lot of people like the consequences for someone being racist in a sitcom or a TV show now have to be far greater than like the consequences then were like oh uh michael is in an awkward situation and his staff is talking about him behind his back right. whereas now if you have a character who's being racist and you're playing it for laughs you almost have to be like oh this person oh, my, like, if they did it now, i'd be like michael scott got fired season one <laughs> episode two right he lost his job and all his right. friends got targeted who said they still stand with michael scott and it's like you know, <laughs> And it's just a different era and comedy, comedy shifts and changes. And and I don't always necessarily think it's changing for the best, which is mm-hmm. crazy because I'm not even an offensive comedian. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm not even yeah. a guy that's on stage saying a bunch mm-hmm. of offensive stuff, but uh but I, I, I think it comes in waves. So I think that with uh with the four years we had of Trump, I yeah. think that the, it kind of swung super far left in what people want comedically. And then I I I think over this course of Biden and whoever the next president will be, I think we're going to see it kind of swing back, and people will be more. I don't know. Uh, I th- hopefully, I just think people uh, understand that there's way more important things. No, I think uh, it's a to, constant. To yeah i think pendulum, it's a constant yeah. pendulum absolutely yeah. so
0: all right so i asked this question to our friend liza banks Campania. so i was excited to hear your answer here can you take us through your first open mic experience as a comedian
1: so yeah which is which was sure very different than hers because i wasn't 14 when i did it like she was like, I <laughs> right she did an insane story of
0: uh amy schumer as
1: well like i yeah. couldn't believe it <laughs> i was like yeah she's like my my, my first set ever was like um I mean, it wasn't even open, Mike. It was just uh, the Richmond Funny Bone is my home club. That's where, like, I started, and they did – when I got into comedy, I was almost 25. I was, like, 24, and my birthday was in a couple months, and I was, like, uh, being in Richmond, I just Googled where to do comedy, and the Richmond Funny Bone came up, and they had a contest for uh, you – you uh, you sign up, you bring a couple audience members. Um, Mm -hmm. The 12 people that bring the most audience members get to perform on the Funny Bone stage. You get five minutes. If you go over the five minutes, or you say the F word, the C word, or the N word, you're disqualified, and they cut the lights out on you, and best set wins $100, and you would get a guest spot on a weekend show, which means on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you could come in, and you would do five minutes on a real show where people are paying to to see the show. Yeah. So I, I signed up for that. Um, I didn't bring the most people, but I did bring, like, six or seven people, so – and I uh, just – I went up and um, I had a very, very good set and uh, I won the contest and <laughs> then uh, I got a hundred bucks and got to come back. Uh, like my third, my first set was at the Richmond Funny Bone. And then my third set was a guest spot for Pete Corielli, which is, he's a touring headliner out of New York uh, at the and Funny Bone. And I just got to do my time there and it was just like man i was just like oh this is comedy this is all i want to do great and i don't yeah. think i did a, i don't think i did an open mic until my fourth set oh wow it was all, yeah so and then the open mics were just like i just went up and bombed and i was like well i did what but it was so weird because it was like i'm someone that's that used to be i'm usually discouraged pretty easily like if i'd had a bad first <laughs> set i think i would have quit like uh-huh. i would not have done comedy anymore i right. would have been like this is because i went into comedy thinking comedy is really hard i know it's difficult I know I can make my friends laugh, but making strangers laugh is very different. Luckily, I went in these clubs and these people liked me. And so having that, when I bombed, I was like, oh, this doesn't mean anything because people (laughs) liked it in comedy clubs. It just gave me this weird, it gave me this weird, not confidence, but this security in myself. For about a month, and that mm-hmm. first month when it wrote it out, and then I then I got to discover, oh, this is what comedy is. Bombing is part of it, and you're yeah. not always going to do well. And I was like, oh, I was lucky that the club stuff went well. Like I just had a good, I just had some good sets and stuff like that. So that's how. I'll- that's how I got into the game and uh not it's not as exciting as a Liza
0: Banks <laughs> no but uh, what, one of the follow-up questions to that like when you brought those six seven people I'm assuming they were some of your friends so like is that no, the it first? was my it was my parents oh okay it was my brother okay my, uh, dude so I invited you're like people. mom if we had had more siblings we
1: would have won the show Dude, it's crazy it. I had like two or I think I had two or I had three friends come I had okay. three friends from high school come yeah. to, support, to support me, which was very cool. Very Ooh. dope that they did that. Uh, and then I thought I'd have my parents and then my brother. And I was like, cool, that's my six. And then I get there and my grandparents are there and my my great aunt and uncle, who I don't even talk, like talk to like right. really like I see them at fa- like family things. Yeah. And they're, and they're like, hey, Winston, what's up? Like, I can sit in the parking and I was like, oh, I'm getting ready to do a show. And they're like, we know we're here. <laughs> Oh, God. And then they sat in the very front row.
0: Oh, obviously. Which was just like,
1: man, it didn't throw me, but I was like, this is a nightmare. But I got to hear people coming off stage. Like, There's these people in the front that aren't laughing. It's because a lot of the comics who complained were people that were like so dirty. Like, yeah. they did it. Dude, one person my mom will never forget. <laughs> and it is a joke I will never forget. She said it's the worst thing she's ever seen. As there was a guy who got on stage and did an act out in a joke about Jesus Christ on a cross. Uh, dying while touching himself and and my mom it is literally like the type of thing where you describe a bad comedy show to someone and that's the crazy example you do and I'm like no I saw it I saw it happen my I saw my mother react to it and she was horrified right I mean
0: I would be I would be and I'm not even that religious (laughs) oh dude I was sitting there just like I was like, this is comedy. Like as, as the, as the bits going on, your eyes are just getting wider and wider. Well, the well, jaws like, are getting lower and yeah, lower. Half <laughs> the people were offensive
1: and the right. other half weren't, but the offensive people, it was like two or three in a row. And I was like, my joke's about roller coasters. Like, I don't really, <laughs> like, I did a five minute joke about King's dominion and roller coasters down here. And it was like, I was like, Oh my God, I hope they like this because it's, you know, at no point in my joke, Is a religious figure like fornicating with themselves? Like there's no (laughs) (laughs) a pillar of somebody's life decisions. Yeah, just yeah. It's like like, that's (laughs) not what mine is. Mine's just like you guys think it's crazy how scary roller coasters are is anyone else scared it's like crazy why are all these it's it's july but there's all these school buses here why, why are these kids in summer school like it's crazy <laughs> exactly like, you know what i mean like it's just good yeah. old clean fun
0: right. uh but because the, the great answer I there right
1: like-, <laughs> I was like you guys like that right i know you know god's not you know what you guys doing to pray <laughs> i love that yeah. but
0: a follow up to the first show how was that experience different to the first time you ever recorded for your album Oh man, it was uh, it was surreal, man. I've been really lucky that
1: I've got to do a few cool things. My 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 the newest thing that I did, with the album, is the first time I've ever made anything that someone asked me to make. Mm-hmm. I was asked to make that. A record label was like, "Hey, we really liked your feature set when you were down here. We want to record something with you." And I'm like, "Oh, cool, that sounds great. I would love to. I would love to do that." And the recording, it was like, um. It was nerve wracking, man. It was uh, because it was like I had six shots to do it in. They did a weekend of shows. And what they had me do was I featured Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And in comedy club nomenclature, the feature or the middle act is the person that usually does between 20 and 30 minutes before the headliner comes up. So you usually have a host a feature or a middle depending on the club, whatever they call it. And then the headliner and a guest spot is usually a five to seven minute spot of just a comic. That's not getting paid, but is but is performing on the show. So they let you They let me feature for five of the six shows. So that was five 20 to 23 minute sets. And then the Sunday I got to co headline. So I got to do 40 minutes. So it was like, cool. So I said, I got five 20 minute sets. I got, I got a hundred minutes. Plus I have 140 minutes of time on stage to get enough to do an album. So in my mind, I'm thinking I got to hit 30 to 45 minutes. I was like, I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. I, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. They just wanted me to do like an EP, and they were like, fine, if I did like 25 minutes. So like, as long as we get 15 to 25, that's what we're looking for. And then I was very lucky in that I had some really good sets, and I really got in a good rhythm that weekend and was able to, to release an hour and seven minute album with a bunch of different stuff that I'm proud of. And it was during COVID, so it's the type of thing where like people are laughing really loud, but you can absolutely tell when you listen to the album. Oh, there's these tables are
0: far apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, this is right. a,
1: it is very much a product of its time.
0: Right. Well, it, and it's a timeless piece at this point. Like we're yeah. gonna look back on the comedy albums made in 2020, the outdoor albums, the Zoom yeah. albums, etc., and be like, Wow, remember when they had to go through Dude, that crap?
1: I have done more. I have I released the special about my dad, which was 40 minutes of comedy, and then this album, which is an hour and seven minutes. And none of it is the same jokes on either of those things. So I've released about two hours of on-record material during the pandemic. It is all things that have been released during it. And I'm just like, man, I was a lot more (laughs) productive when the world was ending than I was (laughs) beforehand.
0: Funny how production how production turns to yeah. It's uh, crazy how (laughs) like when you're locked in a room,
1: you're like, I got to do, I got to do something. (laughs) Exactly. I do
0: something. Exactly. But so can so you went to Virginia Tech and you got a degree in communications when yeah. you graduated and you didn't start doing official comedy till you said you were like 24 or 25. You did research or I did, did my, I tell you that I did that? No, I did my research, man. Well, you yeah, also a, you also posted a good amount of bits oh, in yeah, I did. Virginia tech sweatshirt <laughs> today. So I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I forget that.
1: that the sweatshirt <laughs> says where I went to
0: school. Yeah, I uh, that's so funny. Yeah, I did <laughs> I went to tech class of 2013. So I love it, but so like you have that communications degree. You've made plenty of jokes about it. But like when you walked across that stage of graduation, I'm sure that first goal wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be an aspiring stand up comedian in a couple of years. Just give me some time.
1: No, not at all. I um, li- literally I I don't even know why I took calm. I didn't. The teachers were great. Mm-hmm. But all the skills that I've used, all the skills that I use doing stand up is nothing that I learned in college. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all like I was already a pretty good public speaker. I like talking to people. I was already funny before I went to college and I'd always wanted to do stand up. And when I was a senior in college, I was like, finally, like, you know what? I'm going to go. And in Blacksburg, Virginia, there was like a local comedy thing. And they and I emailed the guy and I sent him a Facebook message I was like, hey, man, it's like, what do I need to do to try stand up? Do I need to take a class? I said, I'll come help you work the door. I want to get involved. And then that was 2013. And that guy never responded to me like he never did. And I was like, this is a sign. That I should not be doing this, right? <laughs> and, and so I didn't do stand up for another two two and a half years after that until I finally worked up the courage after getting out of a, a relationship where we both weren't very good for each other and getting out of a job I didn't really like. And I was like, I really just wanna. It's. It felt like if
0: I didn't try it at at twenty five, I would have never tried it. So it's it's funny how those things are like the catalyst to just being like, well, you know what, like nothing, like. Not to say nothing wasn't working out, but like nothing else is working out, why not go try this? That's what it is. I think the whole thing is just like um,
1: I'm definitely a creature of habit, and I mm-hmm. like comfort. And even though it was a relationship that did not work out, like um, I, you know, obviously still cared about her a great deal, and was right. like comfortable in my situation like I wasn't miserable or at least I didn't I didn't know we were both miserable I thought this is what a life was supposed to be like and I think that it worked out for the best of us uh for the for the best of for for both of us for the best Mm -hmm. um and just being able to just be like yeah you know I got out of it and I'm like my whole world had kind of been shanked up and it's like maybe I need to find a new comfortable thing man because this job is terrible right this relationship was not good evidenced by the fact that it's like we both very quickly moved on, found other people, you know what I mean? Just like boom, right. boom, like, Oh, this is great. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so I, so, so it was definitely a type of thing where like, it was a big catalyst, but I think it's just easy when you're a creature of habit, when your habits get completely disrupted to just be like, I need to, everything's already in this disarray. Like, cause I, right. cause I think the reason I didn't try stand up is I didn't want to upset my life. And it felt like it would be a type of thing to upset my life. But once it's already been upset, it's like, maybe we should do it. Cause there's no, yeah. there's no reason not to
0: absolutely so you uh you touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the show but your father passed away in the summer of 2019 he was diagnosed yes. with pancreatic cancer and man yeah. you did a whole special about it i finished watching it last night it was oh, cool, hilarious man. it was moving i Thanks, was crying man. by the end of it i yeah i don't know i don't know how you did it man can you got like as much as you want to talk about it or as little you want to talk about it, can you kind of take us through that whole production process of yeah dude it, that,
1: absolutely so just it started with like um so when he passed away in 2019, I'm trying to do the math because it's about to be 2022. Uh, I was yeah. like at the four year mark of doing comedy. Like I've been doing stand up for about four years and yeah. um, I was pretty well respected in my area. And the thing where it's like I was one of the dudes in Richmond that was like, I would get booked to do things. And like I could when I came to open mics, they would put me in a good spot because they're like, oh, Winston, you know, whatever. Like I was just one of the good, good comics in Richmond. And, there, and there's a lot of good ones, but I was very right. lucky that they and so when my dad got diagnosed I there was an open mic that night so I went to the hospital to see my dad and then I just texted my buddy who ran the mic and I was like hey man like I said I'm probably going to come by and it's like can you just slide me in somewhere and not I was like I'm not going to go crazy long he's like I was like but can I just kind of like really work on some stuff and not and, and I'm not someone that ever does that I don't really ask to like bump people mm-hmm. I, I've never asked people to be like hey can I run the light on your show and stuff I was like I said is it cool if I just go up there and he's like yeah I won't light you so I did like eight minutes instead of five at the mic and and I just did eight minutes of just like frust- like frustrating things about this situation and I was just like I just have to talk about it and it went pretty well and there's actually clips of that on the special, like, from yeah. that set, because I just don't know why, but I thought to set up my GoPro, and I did it, and I'm really glad that I that I did and was able to capture that. And then I did a set the night he passed away, um, and it was, like, a 10-minute set, and I did some other stuff, and just – when I did that set, it did okay, and it felt good to do. And then someone came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, man, I lost my dad, like, a year ago, and he was like, I really – like that you talked about things that I didn't think would ever be funny and you made them funny and yeah. so hearing that I was like oh man then I just have to really and that's just how I kind of worked through it and, it and it helped me grieve and it helped me deal with it and um and then it got to a point where I had about 25 to 30 minutes of material about it yeah and it's like that's a really long amount of time to talk about a pretty sad subject and so it's tough to like that's when I started being like, I kind of need to find a way to record this because I'm proud of it and do something with it because I can't use it at comedy clubs. Like I wasn't yeah. like a headliner, so it right. wasn't like people were coming to see me talk about grief. It was just me being like, I've got all this stuff about grief and loss, and I want to like help other people, and I want to try to make a, make it funny. And, and then when I got to 25, 30 minutes, I was like, cool, I'm going to just do it. And then it just ended up being like this 40-minute special that I was going to film. I was like, I planned on recording it like in February of 2020, I was like, I'm going to record this thing. It's going to be good. And then COVID hit. And I was like, well, I'm still going to do it, but I guess I've got to do it through a mixture of what I was doing, which was zoom shows and outdoor shows. And just was like, I had some recordings of old clips of me working out the material. And I was like, I, you know what? I'm going to take it and just piece me a little together. And then I I probably spent about 80 hours editing it, Mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, dude. The editing process was insane. Just literally cutting, Cutting because it's like they'll in one joke, it'll cut from like three or four yeah. different. Sh- right. That's yeah. And to make that flow where the rhythm of the joke isn't messed up because rhythm is an extremely important aspect of comedy. Uh, it was a lot of like, all right, cutting this millisecond out. All right. Now I got to stretch this millisecond again. It's like, oh, which which of these clips is the is the is it to get the best word and, and stuff like that? And then just it uh, it turned into um, something that I was just actually really, really proud of.
0: I mean, I edit an hour long podcast a week and I it freaks me out just because I can't I like I, I can't sit down for an hour or two hours just to do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, the editing of an hour long podcast takes me three hours. I can't even imagine just like the three different shows it was such an interesting aspect because it was what I thought was interesting, too. Like you had the dates of which you performed those shows yeah. at. And like I when I sat there and like pieced it all together, being like he did a show the day his dad was diagnosed, the day his dad passed, like I, yeah. I love that you actually worked up the, I guess, the courage to to, to go out and try that frustrating yeah. material the day of. Like, was it kind of just off the top of the head, like firing from the hip, or yeah,
1: that was like um, one is like a, a, I think it was like one of it was like a repurposed joke from when my dad, from when my grandfather uh passed away. Um mm-hmm. I had like t- I had like two or three jokes I did about that, but I didn't do it all the time and it just came more real because I was more involved with all the stuff after my father passed away. So it was just a couple things like that and then just me just being like really just trying to deal with it. And it's like I wanted to be around my friends and all my friends were going to be at the open mic. Yeah. So I was like I was like I'm just going to get on stage and I'm going to just deal with this and I'm going to riff. I do a lot of I don't know. I riff a lot when I'm on stage anyway, so it's just like I just do a lot of crowd work, and, uh, and I'm very – I think the, the, the comedic gift I think that I'm uh, blessed with the most is I'm very, very good at being present mm-hmm. um, with what's going on in the room, and it was like in that room that night I was very present about dealing with these things and connecting with people and just like – I don't know. It just felt like the only way to really deal with anything that's going on is for me at least would be to,
0: would be to talk about it on stage. We're going to take a quick break from this week's interview to talk about our new sponsors over at Beam. Guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about protein powder. I have been doing protein powder on and off for probably close to 10 to 12 years. Like when it first came out or when I first started using it, it tasted like absolute chalk. Like vanilla is, in my opinion, superior to chocolate in a lot of things. And I'm going to get hate for that. But vanilla protein powder was just not it. And what was so crazy to me was during those 12 years of on and off using protein powder, it all tasted like chalk. There was no advancements until Beam came along. That's right, guys. I've been partnering with Beam for quite some time now. They have been helping me with my fitness transformation or what, whatever you want to call it, but they really helped me out with my marathon. A couple things. One with pre-workout. I want to say this pre-workout was something that I was a little skeptical about, but when I would come home from work and have to get on the treadmill to go run eight, nine, 10 miles, I didn't want to do that. No one in their sane mind would want to do that. So a little half scoop of the pre-workout. I like the rainbow candy or the pink lemonade and I was good to go, but it wasn't like, jittery 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 crash it was pure energy throughout the entire run i then come home get a nice scoop of their vanilla soft serve pre-workout and man the chalkiness is gone guys i can't kid you enough you got to go try this out for yourself so what we're doing for you guys is we're going to get you guys 10 percent off on your order you're going to use the code jared at youcanbeam.com when you check out again use the code jared j-e-r-o-d at youcanbeam.com they have Uh, plenty of types of products, whether you want super greens, whether you want pre-workout, whether you want whey protein, vegan protein, you name it. They've got it with unbelievable flavors. So head over to YouCanBeam.com Use code Jared, J-E-R-O-D at checkout to get 10% off. Now back to the interview. Absolutely, and one thing I have to applaud about that special too is just your ability to work the Zoom room—a very challenging feat, as many comedians, I'm sure, can think. Yeah. Like we've had a number of comedians on this show during COVID, pre, you know, post COVID, all that, and on the, what kind of makes me never forget about the comedians was we had Liz Mealy on the show talking about yeah. that. There's always like a dog barking there's always that echoing mic from somebody else it's other phone or whatever but then she also said there's always somebody vacuuming too like doing house chores vacuuming (laughs) eating eating very close
1: to the camera and just in general it's like i had to just temper my expectations of like what like what a good response is on zoom like what what is a good response and i and i did so many and i wasn't (laughs) just doing paid zoom shows it's just like i'm a I I work pretty hard. Like I'm a I I hit a lot of mics in person. Like I do multiple shows every night. It's what I like to do. It's the um I I I don't think that when I was doing comedy, I wanted to get better. I'm like, I don't think people can help how naturally funny they are. Like I think that is a peak that you just you have that people that are naturally funny. But what I can do is make sure that nobody will ever outwork me. So, uh, I don't like being outworked not when it comes to comedy. So it's like, if there's a mic, I'm going to do it. If I can physically do it, I'm going to do it. And then when COVID shut everything down, I took a month off from comedy, which is that month was the longest in my time doing comedy that I've ever gone, not doing any sets at all. And then I found virtual comedy. And I think over the course of a six or seven month period during the worst part of the pandemic, when you really weren't going out or like, I was scared to do an outdoor show because I, might go visit my mom and right. i didn't want my mom to get sick i probably over that 6 month period did about um 600 to 700 zoom shows uh, like there would be times where i would wake up at 9 a.m. and i would do a zoom open mic in china or whatever uh-huh. and i would do 10 or 11 over the course of the day and i'd be up till like 3 a.m. Oh, and i would just do that day after day and it would kept me writing and i would bomb and you would learn to work a room and you. You would learn to just kind of be like, okay, I guess that's a good response for this, and it was mostly comics, and you just kind of realize like, all right, if these are the comics that were at the last show, I'll do some different things or change it up a little bit, right. because even if they're comics, they're comics that might not have seen me. And then once I learned that, um, I started doing some of the ones that had had a few audience members at it. <laughs> like, you just start to work those rooms, and then I was really lucky in that. Uh, that Zoom said I was like I set it up. I went to this venue, the Southern in Charlottesville, which is like another home room for me. And they let us let me set up my laptop. And I have uh, uh like what I'm using right now. I also put a lot of money into equipment to make sure that I was able to like to cut down on the dog barking and the things like that. And, like, <laughs> right, you, you're using a real microphone, so you just kind of sound better. And, and I've right. got this interface that I, I got a Tascam interface that I use, and I brought that with me. Brought my laptop. And they set a projector up so that the screen that I'm seeing was like the size of a projector. So it's like me almost looking at a real audience. And I performed it on stage. So I just tried to be like, all right, this Zoom thing, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that it was a successful, successful Zoom set.
0: Yeah. I think the, I think the biggest challenge from, for like a comedian is just the atmosphere that they're in. Like you go from a, a live stage in yeah. a, in an auditorium, or even just, even if it's just a, like a gymnasium of a high school, or you know, what, like whatever yeah. it could be the, you know, the Ryan auditorium in Nashville, but then you go, this is my apartment and yeah, you're it's just at the my desk. Yeah. And it's just like, it's the whole, the whole energy
1: is. Is just like because that's what I feed off of a lot is I really feed off the energy of what's going on in the room and being able to pick up on what people's vibes are and stuff like that. And that's kind of lost, especially when people have their screens off or their microphones aren't on. And you're going to have to guilt people into turning them on or just encourage people to do things or like even if they're not, I don't know. I I either want the microphones on or or at least the cameras on because it's like if the cameras are on, it's like. I can see people smiling, you know what I mean? I just need some sort of, so it just kind of changes it, but nothing beats being in person and hearing people laughing and getting
0: that um, immediate uh, like injection of, of energy and feedback. Totally. So you, you've touched on it a little bit today, but one thing that has really stood about stood out to me about your comedy is your crowd work. I, yeah. something, I think that it can be quite the wild card in comedy shows. Obviously you never know what the comp, the crowd's going to react to. Yeah. You never know who's in the crowd. How do you kind of go about deciding where the crowd work is going to come in? Who's going to be the, I don't want to say the target, but you know what yeah. I mean? Who's going to be the victim, <laughs> but like, yeah. how do you work that whole situation? Well, the two, uh, I, uh, I, I do
1: a lot of crowd work like especially when, like I'm on the road and it's like you're working some rooms where they might not feel the same way you do politically or socially and it's right. like uh, the best way to get people on your side before you do a joke they might not agree with is to just do some crowd work and just show people that we're here to have fun and have a good time uh, I'm not a very mean comedian so right. like my crowd work is never mean like if I if I make a joke or bust somebody's balls I'm also probably immediately going to make fun of myself. Like, uh, I try to view my crowd work as like, uh, it, it, or my shows, if you come to one of my shows, even if you've never met me before, I want the vibe to be, you're watching your friend perform. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like you're hanging out with your friend and like your friend will probably talk to you. You know what I mean? He'll probably ask you questions and just have you be a part of the show. Um, the A good rule of thumb that I follow is I don't talk to people that really look like they want to be talked to. And I don't talk to people that look like they absolutely do not want to be talked to. It right. is the, is the, the most I'll do is like, I'll reference those people if there's cause there's sometimes you'll go to a show and I've just done enough that like, I can just tell through people's body language that like I did a show in Roanoke for the Roanoke comedy festival in Roanoke, Virginia, like uh, a couple months ago. And I did like 50 minutes. And then there was a guy in the front and I finally talked to him and I said, I said, I want to let you know, I've been avoiding you this entire time right because i know you've wanted to talk to me this whole time and his friends were like laughing they're like he was talking all day about how he couldn't wait to come and and talk to the comedian i was like i said so i've been saving you for laughs so so i'll just be <laughs> like so i was like so we're gonna talk i said but i'm i'm gonna do other things first because i said you're gonna ruin my show and like that got a laugh <laughs> and yeah. just being honest with people and then if i talk to someone that doesn't want to be talked to i'm like you don't want to be talked to at all right and that and they're like no and i'm like i'm like but that said i hope you understand that like that really makes me want to talk, to talk to you, to you. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's, but i'm not gonna do that and then and then usually i don't know I, I just want it to be fun so it's like i've been posting a lot of those shorter clips yeah but like i've got like longer ones on youtube on private where it's just like i mean like there's there's shows where i'll do 40 minutes of crowd work and it's just and it's like, all, yeah yeah Where it's just like we're bouncing all over the place and just <laughs> and, and just doing stuff like that and then that's what people were surprised when my album came out they were like is there crowd work on it I'm like, no, it's just all jokes. They're so like, it's an hour and seven minutes, and I'm like, yeah, I have, I have, I have all the jokes. jokes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're just not as much fun to do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, can I, I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, when I'm listening to a comedy album, I usually listen to it on Pandora, yeah. right? And it's on shuffle. Nothing's worse than you, you like hearing the laugh track. Like, not I was yeah. laugh track, but you're hearing the laughs and you know they're doing crowd work or you know they're doing something that you can't visually see yeah it's tough you're like yeah. all right i'm glad this is kind of funny like sebastian maniscalco one of my favorite comedians like that guy is like almost all expressions and all yeah. how he moves around yeah, the a stage. lot of
1: his stuff is lost listening to him oh it's it, which is I, so weird to say yeah. or it's just like if you ever listen to him it's not as good as just seeing him but it's like he's a very he's a very physical performer right and it's uh and and I think a lot of the times with crowd work and I thing that's been tough with a lot of these clips is like I have to sometimes edit it in a way to just give you a little context about what is going on, because it's like in a 20 second clip. I can't always give the context of like I am referencing a thing that everyone in this room saw 40 minutes earlier, but no one has talked about and just like trying to do to do that. But I don't know. I think it makes my shows fun. And, I, and I'm really glad that the, the album doesn't have any on it because it's the type of thing where it's just like. If I do an, if in my perfect world, if I'm doing a 45 minute to an hour long set, right. half of it is crowd work, half of it is jokes. And hopefully you liked me enough to pick up the album and be like, man, like I liked his jokes too. Yeah. Maybe we'll, Oh, it'd be like, he says, he's got a whole hour of these jokes I didn't hear. And like, and then you go to my YouTube or my Instagram and you're like, Oh, here's the crowd work stuff that I really like. like I, don't yeah. I like giving people, um, all of it, but crowd, I would be lying if I didn't say crowd work is like, I think it's the most impressive thing that I do like yeah. if there's anything where it's like uh that is like it is the one thing that i do that i don't think every other comedian can
0: do and that's the just being able to do crowd work for like an hour i also like you following up a 13 year old stand-up comedian that was unreal
1: unbelievable this is unbelievable the dude goes to this open mic every monday apparently oh so you know the- him
0: now like no, pretty I, no no <laughs>
1: So he's like so I was back home in Charlottesville like area just doing the mic and whenever I'm home I'll try to do the southern which is where I did like did that zoom thing because it's just like had some of my favorite times of all time there but I haven't been in a long time uh, because the pandemic and being in DC there's no reason to come back because there's a bunch of Monday open mics but I was back home for Thanksgiving, I went on the Monday and this kid apparently has been going there since August, he just goes every Monday with his family. And he's just one of the dirtiest. He's a dirty thirteen year old. Yeah, like he's talking about touching himself and like having sex with like shampoo bottle, like all this like really inappropriate things, right. in front of his parents. And then I have to go up afterwards, and I'm just like, this is un- like this is unreal, right? Like this is un. It's also unreal to be like. Apparently, he's done pretty well uh, sometimes, but like that crowd was pretty tight when I was there. Like I was the first person to have like a really good set on that on that mic, but like he didn't do great, and it was just like watching a 13 year old bomb while doing sex jokes is a sur- <laughs> it is a surreal experience as a 31 year old man <laughs> it doesn't feel right I'm 31 and I'm just like this
0: comic is dirtier than me right and he's then going to pick up his notebook afterwards and be like here's
1: all those dirty jokes here's you just dirty jokes don't forget your notebook and then dude I said don't forget your notebook and he called me Mr Winston and I was like this is unreal that wow he had it me. out for you dude yeah he's like hey, thank you Mr. Winston and I'm like dude stop <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know where, where I,
0: I don't know where I rank the 13 year old dirty jokes m- amongst the uh, the Jesus dying on the cross. Touching oh, himself. dude, it's unreal.
1: The 13 year old dirty joke thing is just like I thought that was great. It's just a lot of a lot of distinct, insane comedy memories that I can't explain. To, like, it's very difficult to explain to people like this is in it. This is just what my life is. I see I see insane people say insane things. Yeah. Every single day. Like it's, it's nuts,
0: dude. That's the profession. That's the profession.
1: (laughs) It is. It is the profession is I want is just professionally watching crazy people. (laughs) That's all it is.
0: But so you've touched on how big your work ethic is to you wanting to do show after show. doesn't matter if it's nine o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, three o'clock at night, but after doing all of these shows, right? Like how do you sit down and kind of self eval how it all went? Because like, I can imagine every show, some shows will go the, maybe the same, like, you know, yeah. these are these jokes all landed. These jokes didn't. And like beyond that, how are you self-evaluating? Like, hey, I got to work on this, this and this. next yeah. show. I'm, I'm pretty
1: good at evaluating in the moment. So it's a lot of like I'm on stage and when a joke's not working, I'm like, this is not working. And then as soon as I get off stage, I'm like, why didn't that work? Is it something with the crowd? Is there right. other things that I did? I audio record every set and I video record probably Seventy percent of my sets, like uh, I'll just do a thing, and, and and usually, especially with doing the clips and stuff, I have to go through and watch it anyway, and it's easy to pick up. But I but I've I've been pretty lucky that pretty much as soon as something goes wrong, I know, I know what went wrong, and it's like, yeah. all right, I know not to do this again. Um, but it's a lot of just sitting down, just being like talking it out with other comedians, talking out loud, like why isn't this joke working? I know this idea is funny, and then it's being something as simple as being like, okay, well, I think maybe the joke's not working because I use this word and this word has a connotation that's a little more harsh than another word or like Mm -hmm. oh maybe I've said this word a lot already or maybe it feels like I like I'm not coming out on the right side of this or like maybe the consequence for the joke isn't good enough so like the person like if I'm doing a joke about somebody else and they're being a jerk in the joke and it's like and their punishment at the end of the joke doesn't match the crime or whatever they've committed it's like okay I, I, I people there's there's not that cathartic release yeah uh of 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 whatever and, and like um like there's a one where it's like i'm doing a joke now about um i'll probably start releasing clips of it on uh instagram in the next couple of days about like the app next door i don't know if that's like a thing that you're hmm. so i you never know. heard of it but continue <laughs> Nextdoor is like uh it's like an app where it's basically it's just like it's a social media app for you and the people in your neighborhood so it's uh, like you put your address in and the only people you can communicate with are the other people in your neighborhood. Yeah. And, put your
0: address but, in, put your social security number, yeah, a couple it's of credit great, cards. It's,
1: <laughs> it, is, it is a surreal app where it's just like you look at it and you're just like, oh, man, like it's just it's just crazy people posting. It's your neighbors being crazy and racist. That's all it is. Uh, and so, I, you know, I've done this joke about maybe nine times now. And um, it took me a while to figure out because one of the things is like this lady posted on there. She asked her neighbors, can anyone come help me euthanize my dog? And uh, yeah, and I realized people reel back more when I say euthanize okay. as opposed to put down the dog. So it was something as simple as being like, why aren't people recognizing that this is just a crazy thing to post? Right. I'm like, oh, they feel too bad for the dog. because right. I think euthan-, And it was like, oh, euthanize is just too harsh of a word. So now right. I say put down the dog or mm-hmm. like, I'll like, if I'm doing really well, I might say euthanize because I like that phrasing better, but, yeah. if, uh, but I have to be doing well enough that I'm like, it's not going to derail the joke or, or my momentum. And then just like, Oh yeah, people have dug it. And I, d- and I also never ever really do a joke the exact same way twice. Like I like okay. to change small things <laughs> because I, I think it's more important for me to enjoy telling the joke. Like if I, even if there's a best way to tell that joke and I figure it out, if i'm bored telling it the joke's not going to work as well but right. if i'm still excited like oh i'm gonna try this one different thing the joke still might kill or, or do super good um
0: even if it might not be the exact perfect uh wording totally and it's so interesting to me like the kind of like your level of harshness is it like a rating as well like do, yeah. do you find that like some cities prefer the harsher comedians like i don't know i kind of think of as i'm sitting here in boston massachusetts like these people like to think of themselves and rightfully so maybe I'm not, I'm, I might get canceled by saying this, but like Bostonians want to believe that they're thick skinned yeah. right? Like they're, they're just uh thick and thin people, like, you know, through anything they can do yeah. everything. And that's fine. And like, that's Boston. Then you go to a town, like, I don't know, Orange County, California, where yeah. I grew up. And those people love you to death OC, but they're not like, they're not, Thick people, you know what I mean? So, like, I don't know, like, just the harshness of the joke, like, I feel like euthanize, if you were to use that here in Boston, people would get it. Like, you're good, you know? Well, I mean, like, and the interesting thing is if
1: I was was on the road or somewhere like Boston where I think, I think I would just say, can anyone come over and kill my dog? I just think like I just think that that's what I would do. And now that I'm saying that out loud, that sounds funny. I might try it differently like that here. I, like, I, I think it's interesting and it, uh, about what words can change. And and I think it just depends on the culture of the of the place you're in. And so I like to have I don't do different jokes. Like, I don't completely change the point of the joke or the purpose of the joke. But I will change certain words right. to like like if I was in Orange County or a more progressive or woke place. like if I was in a Portland or something like that. My wording would probably be reflective of letting people know, like, hey, I am on your side about this politically. Yeah. But, like, it's like, I'm going to use all the right terms and stuff. Like, I'm on this right side, but let's just go ahead and say, admit that this is kind of ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) What are these crazy things that are going on? literally this dog i have a, an entire pile of dirty laundry like i'm talking like it's clean laundry now because i did like four loads of laundry just in the middle of my floor to be folded yeah and um he's now burying himself in them so i have to rewash the clothes. Oh, uh, <laughs> that is literally what i have to do are you posting
0: something on Na- on uh, next
1: door <laughs> yeah i'm about to take hey, it anyone please come over and uh take care of my girlfriend's dog <laughs> Oh god!
0: yeah. Oh my God. Oh, man. But yeah. That's so funny. I
1: don't know. So I, I do think that's a good point because I think it's just where I am. I think the words might change a little bit, but the context and the point of the joke never changes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so as someone who's done this for quite some time, you've yeah. done plenty of shows, what sort of advice do you have for the next stand-up comedian? Maybe, maybe the 13-year-old or maybe the one that yeah. hasn't gone up on stage yet, but what are some of the pieces of advice you have for those people coming up on the stage? Oh, man, I think the best advice I've ever got was from a
1: comic uh, who had been doing it a while when I started. He doesn't do stand-up anymore, um, but like even it, it, he, he told me, um if someone else is giving you advice listen to all of it and just mm-hmm. take what works for you um cuz the thing is like i know a lot of people are like oh, i don't want to hear that terrible advice but usually you can tell when the advice is terrible so if someone <laughs> gives you terrible advice you know i'm not going to listen to that but every now and then someone that doesn't know what they're talking about will say the right thing mm-hmm. um so you kind of just have to pay attention to that um not there there there's very i think there's very few substitutes for hard work um and i think especially if you're starting comedy um even if you're not a good comic yet the older good comics will respect how seriously you take stand-up um and and it's the type of thing where they're more willing to help you if it looks like you're doing everything you can to help yourself Mm -hmm. so outwork everybody that's 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 a really important one and then the other one is like take comedy seriously but don't take yourself too seriously um like respect it as an art form respect it as what it is but it's just like but also remember you're just a dude on stage telling dick jokes and (laughs) it's just it's you can you can respect the art form and understand that you're not an artist you know like you just have have a good time and and uh and have fun and um and this is an important one is just like this will be the last one that i say uh, i really think that like if you or someone um are getting into stand-up there are some topics you're not good enough as a comedian to talk about uh, and you're going to really hurt yourself in the in the short run and the long run if you try to be really edgy before you learn how to write the jokes, uh, try to be funny first. And then once you get funny, like there's plenty of topics and premises when I started that I was not good enough to make funny. And then right. I would write them down and did not forget them. And then as I became a better comedian, I could return to the topic and craft a a, a much, a much better uh, much more well-constructed joke so th- so that's like the basic advice i give all new comics that that ask and um because you know like i can't just be like change this 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 and this but as far right. as the grand scale of advice those are the ones that i just think like just common sense and makes sense and just don't be a dick be a nice person
0: <laughs> yeah right i mean your your comedy can be maybe mm-hmm. rude comedy if that's yeah. your thing but at the end of the day like when you put the mic down like don't don't be a let nice Pat person the... man yeah
1: we've, we've all been rude we've all been jerks we've all done things we're not proud of but it's just like don't continuously do those things try to mm-hmm. <laughs> people people like nice people right and they want to but they'll, but it's easier to get booked if you're like a legitimately nice good person and and i don't know it it really helps make comedy a lot less lonely place if you're rooting for other people uh, totally. as well as yourself totally
0: now so you've recently moved into the dc area more yes. full-time yeah. what to you makes comedy in the dc area or even just the greater dmv area so special
1: Man, audiences are really smart uh, for the most part, which can be frustrating. Uh, (laughs) I hear you. No, they're really the audiences are really smart. There's a lot of really good shows and there's a lot of really strong comedians. So it's the type of thing where it's just like I'm in D.C. and I'm on a show. And it's like if I want to have the best set on the show or I want to be better than these other people, I have to really work hard. And I kind of like the pressure of having uh to work hard plus i think it's a pretty supportive scene like i like most of the people in dc comedy like i really do like i can't really think of anyone that i'm like oh i can't stand them or i dislike them and and it and it it just is like a a really cool awesome community that i'm really uh, thankful to to be able to be a part of do you think it has something that other comedy scenes are missing uh i don't know i think the the things that it's missing from like where i started is i think richmond has some good comics but they're all a very there's a there's they're all a very certain style of comedian um and uh, in dc there's a wide range of styles there's a lot of different um like there's a lot of there's a lot more diversity in dc comedy like there's a lot of different people from different backgrounds and your audiences are crazy diverse because it's like i don't know there's so many uh first generation uh people uh in dc and like it's a it's a it's a crazy thing because it's just like it's in it's pretty it's a pretty liberal place but then also like if you go 45 or 50 minutes outside of it it's really conservative and it's Mm. it's it it, it's I i think it's pretty awesome yeah i think it's a very very good place for comedy and i think it's kind of a hotbed for stand-up
0: well after this interview and the one with liza banks i feel like i have to to get out to the dc area for a comedy show or if you're if you're coming to boston let us know no dude i absolutely will let you know because i think (laughs) i'll be up there in march for awesome Perfect. Well, Winston, this has been an absolute blast. We do yeah, have great. We do have one final question for you yes. that we ask everybody uh, and I can't let you get away with it. But if you were to write your autobiography today, Ooh. what would be the title of it and why?
1: Oh, man, that's very tough. I were to write my autobiography uh, today, what would the title of it uh, be? Uh, Yeah, honestly, like I think if I had to do that, it, it would just literally be something <laughs> like, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, I'm so sorry, uh, for apologizing so much. That is, <laughs> <laughs> That that is what it would be. And, it, and I think it's just because, uh, like, especially after my dad passed away and I had, I had some stuff, I've had some stuff happen to me, um, before my dad passed away, like just some, um, stuff that have happened that was like, you know, not, not the best stuff. And then when my dad passed away and, and, and having some relationships that weren't great. And, um, uh, just growing up where I grew up, there's a lot of things that I am sorry for, and a lot of things, and just realizing that it's like, uh, it's also okay. Everybody like has that. Uh, yeah. So, so that type of thing, where it's just like, I am sorry for everything that I've done that has ever hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, right. But also, I'm also sorry for apologizing so much because also a lot of times people just don't care. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just like uh, life. So
0: uh, yeah, I think that's what I'd have to go with. I love it. That's a great title. And uh, I'm sorry to hit you with the hard-hitting question there. At no, the end. <laughs> dude, it was tough, man. Oh, I wish I had some
1: time to prep. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> but Winston, thank you again so much, man. I had yeah, an absolute blast. Me. And uh, I hope we can keep in touch. And when you're in Boston yeah, in March, absolutely. hit us up. Absolutely, awesome, man. This is great. So thank you to Winston Hodges for coming on this week's show and sharing more about his story. I hope everyone got to gain a lot from the experiences that Winston shared and some of the life lessons that he has shared. I know I did, and that's one of the things that I love about this show. You never know what you're going to be able to learn. Um, You never know what somebody's going to say, but I do just love the ability to connect with incredible individuals like Winston to help amplify their story, help tell their story. Uh, Mainly they do all the work. I don't help them tell their own story, but just being able to sit through a a great conversation like that is always rewarding uh, for me, and I hope you too as the listener. So That does it for this week's show. I'll be sure to list all things Winston in the description of this week's podcast. If you haven't gotten a chance to go check out the Normal Guy Lazy Eye merch store, be sure to go do that by clicking the link in our Instagram, at Normal Guy Lazy Eye. All things merch. We got quarter zips, sweatshirts, dry fit t-shirts, casual t-shirts, long sleeves, you name it. We got it. Would love to see some of you guys supporting that merch. So thank you guys so much for all the support in 2021. We have some great new things here planned for 2022. I wish you all a very happy new year, and I will see you all next week.